Pistons fans, this is the Sports Ethos Pistons podcast. I'm your host, Joey Gadaris, with you roughly three times a week. <laughs> We're trying our best over at sportsethos.com with new pods talking about games and player updates, news, tracking the restoration of the Detroit Pistons franchise all season. And you can also find me on Twitter at Ethos Pistons. Give me a follow, subscribe to the pod, wherever you're listening to it. Just hit that subscribe button. Trying to get our listenership up. Um, Before we get into this show, I do want to quickly say to my friend Tony, I'm sorry that the pod we recorded over the weekend um, is not going out. There were numerous uh, audio issues with that pod. Um, We should have, I should have been more careful when we were recording to make sure that everything sounded okay. I sounded like I was down in a hallway. I don't really understand what was wrong with my microphone. But before we get into the show, let's take a moment to follow at ethosfantasybk on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis too. Again, that's at fantasy, sorry, that's at ethos fantasy bk on twitter follow now all right so it's monday january 24th 2022 and the pistons are 11 and 35 they're the second worst team in basketball they're six and seven in the year 2022 and coming off two losses that we have to talk about today first on friday the pistons lose 111 101 to the Utah Jazz. And then last night, Sunday, they lose on the road to the Denver Nuggets, 117-111. The top headline from this set of games, these two games, has been the spectacular return to form for Cade Cunningham. Of course, the Pistons' number one pick this last year in the 2021 draft. And as we'd kind of talked about, he'd been going through a bit of a slump in the last few games against the Phoenix Suns. That ejection kind of ruined what was otherwise a hot shooting night, but created some frustration. And then in the next game, Cade had eight points on 30% shooting against the Warriors, only to follow that up by fouling out against the Kings in 20 minutes, putting up 13 points and a rebound. So certainly three games in a row with disappointing, frustrating results for Cade Cunningham. But against the Jazz, it seemed like the directive was to get Cade going. This can't happen. We cannot have him slump this much. His final line, 25 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, and 3 blocks. With a 3, I don't have the percentages. He shot well. Um, This was maybe the most dominant performance for Cade in terms of overall performance in his career. Um, and yeah, the, the offense was flowing through Cade 100% of the time when he was out there and he was out there a whopping 41 minutes. Cade's most minutes played of any game this year, any game in his career. And, you know, I made comments before in previous pods about Cade needing to improve his fitness, 
just so that he can sort of play more minutes and last longer in these games. Um, this was a game that, you know, I thought Cade showed excellent resilience, uh, overcoming what was some obvious, I think, second half fatigue to contribute in all ways, right? Not just offensively, but defensively. Um, and so it was really a tale of two halves for Cade. The first half, he's on fire offensively. In the first quarter, 11 points, three rebounds, two assists, a steal and a block. That's a huge quarter. He finishes the half with 17 points. And then, like I said, he kind of slows down a little in the second offensively, but continues to put up steals and blocks, continues to play high effort defense, high effort offense, right? The shot attempts didn't stop. They just weren't falling. And I want to pull out a couple highlights from this game for Cade to just talk about really briefly. Um, one is one of these most impressive blocks that I really sh- think shows off the type of prospect Cade is. Um, can guard anybody on the floor, can run with you the length of the court, um, and can block your shot at the end. And that's exactly what he did to Royce O'Neal in the third quarter of this game. Uh, off a turnover, in transition, O'Neal thinks he can go coast-to-coast against Cade, but Cade's on his hip the whole way and swats the shot at the end. Um, you know, in, in the highlight, watching it back, it's like a very ill-advised Royce O'Neal shot. But again, I think it's just you could flip that read around and say, what an impressive defensive play by Cade. Not many guys can do this at his size. And O'Neal, I think, was surprised to find um, that Cade stuck with him the whole way and was right there to easily swat the shot away. I also want to bring out a play on offense that certainly not unique to this game. And I think he even did it a couple times in this game and again in the Nuggets game. And that is Cade's developing reverse lay-in move. Um, you know, out of the half-court offense, out of a set offense, the Pistons, as they should, they like to get the ball in Cade's hands. And he likes to probe around, right? He can do anything at any time. He can pull up. He can pass out. And one of the things he'll do is, you know, just sort of survey the court from the baseline. But lately, and encouragingly, he's been developing a nice little, quick little efficient scoring move. The reverse lane runs under the rim. And on the other side, he elevates and puts it in. I don't think this has really failed to work yet. Maybe it has, but highly efficient move. Blocks the shot blocker from any attempt at a shot block. Because, you know, you got the rim there playing defense for you. Um, Just a really nice veteran move from Cade. And more and more, he's resembling this, you know, point forward, mature player that we all know he will be down the road it's just a matter of can he get to that level now he's starting to get there he's starting to get there folks against the nuggets you know Cade had a pretty similar game to this jazz game just a little less explosive 18 points five rebounds eight assists a steal and a block similarly he had a hot shooting first half 14 points on 60 percent shooting in that first half So he clearly cools off a little bit, only four points in the second half. But I don't want to downplay that first half, and especially the second quarter, um, when, you know, Cade can be this microwave scorer for the Pistons if they're having a slump, if they're having some trouble um, scoring, get the ball in Cade's hands and get out of the way. Um, In this one, it was the mid-range jump shot that really impressed me. He did it a few times and, you know, got in a rhythm including a nice little buzzer beater at the end of the half 
to tie the game. The game was tied at halftime, 60-60. And yeah, just bringing up those Paul George comparisons again for Cade. Scoring machine, um, shooting over people. I think that's a big thing for me, why he's such a high-level prospect. We know he's tall. We know he's got long arms. But also you have to have the confidence that if you go into your shot, if you do your your move, your pull-up, that you can shoot over a guy. You have to have that confidence because it can be a it can be a, a thin margin, right, at your release point. But Cade can shoot over guys. He's been exploiting that. He did it in the Nuggets game. Another thing that I think impressed me from this game and recent Cade performances was a throwback to early season Cade and the two-hand over-the-head pass. Um passing over people right this is a big advantage that Cade has as a big guard um, that he can just see over the defense a little bit and whip these passes over his head um, across the court with precision did it numerous times in this game including right out of the gate getting beef stew some early buckets and yeah I mean that was like I said an early season Cade move that we saw him um, exploit at the beginning of his career kind of disappeared a little bit and it's back so now we have the two-hand Cade pass the sort of entry pass down low from the top of the key he can just whip it we're seeing a lot of one-hand Cade passes lately um just developing a ton of confidence right now so though neither game ended in a victory and neither game featured probably our favorite version of Cade which is clutch game winner Cade um, there is a lot to like about Cade breaking out of that frustrating period and also bringing us a new Pistons accessory, the Cade leg sleeve. He wore a leg sleeve in this Nuggets game. I'm not sure if that's the first game he wore it, but it looked new to me. Um, I I dare you to go buy a Nike dry fit leg sleeve. Uh <laughs> No, actually, this got me thinking, like, what next? You know, you can't really wear a leg sleeve in any other situation other than being a professional basketball player, whereas, like, headband or arm sleeve you might be able to get away with um, as a normal person. So I was thinking, like, who's going to be the first NBA player to wear, like, a Nike dry fit dicky? I really want, like, a Nike dry fit turtleneck. Okay, but let's talk about the rest of the team um and and just what happened across these two games we know Cade is back that's great um but the Pistons actually had a familiar problem on Sunday night which was the absence of Kelly Olynyk. of course Kelly just returned um from a two-month layoff with an MCL and knee injury and now is out again he only played two games he's out again with health and health and safety protocols um, so again, the Pistons are a little undersized in their front court against a team, the Nuggets, who have you know an MVP level. Last year's MVP, Nikola Jokic, seven footer, highly skilled offensive player, very very fun to watch. So it was a question coming into this one, you know, how are the Pistons going to match up with Jokic? And of course, all eyes turn to Isaiah Stewart, who against the Nuggets has 18 points on 8 of 8 shooting. A really impressive game from Isaiah Stewart offensively. Like I alluded to, he's catching these whipped passes from Cade and putting them straight up, easy, around the rim, working the paint. That's exactly what you like to see from Isaiah. 
and, and Cade, like that chemistry developing. But unusually and amazingly, Isaiah hits a three in this game and two pull-up mid-range jump shots. The matchup with Jokic was actually okay for Isaiah on the offensive end. You know, if you can get Jokic under the rim, deep in the paint, you can work it. You can get some buckets on Jokic. He's not a high-end defensive player. He's just not. He's maybe the best offensive player in basketball, and that makes him an MVP. But I think the Pistons showed a few ways you can beat him. You have to force him to run, right? I mean, he just let Isaiah take this three and these two mid-range jump shots, which I probably would too if I'm Jokic, right? I was shocked to see them go in and for Isaiah to go eight of eight. But again, in a development season, when you're looking for signs of hope, this is a great game for Isaiah. You know, he's never going to do it again. Probably not with this number of shots away from the rim to not miss. Highly impressive. Now, I will say that across the two games, Isaiah's lines of eight points, nine rebounds, and one assist against the Jazz, followed by 18 points, three rebounds, and one assist against the Nuggets, with no steals and no blocks, is maybe a little disappointing. Would like to see the blocks come back for Isaiah Stewart. We know he's a shot-blocking menace when he wants to be. Sadiq Bey has had a rough couple games. As ever, the minutes are there, the shots are there. It's just a matter of whether they fall. 13 points, one rebound, four assists, and two steals on 5 of 14 shooting, 3 of 11 from 3 against the Jazz, followed by 11 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, and a steal on 4 of 11 shooting, 3 of 8 from 3 against the Nuggets, um, is obviously not a high point in Sadiq Bey's season. Not a low point necessarily. I mean, I think it's fine. It's good to see him average those 3.5 assists. Needs to find those ways to contribute to the game. But noticeably, straight away, I'm looking at these three-point attempts. They're actually up for Sadiq on the season. In 22, uh, sorry, in 2021, last year, his attempts were 3.5 from 2 and 6.5 from 3 per game. This year, the twos are up, right? He's attempting 6.4 twos per game, and the threes are slightly up, 7.2 from three per game for Sadiq in 21-22. But like I said in his last two games, it's 11 from three and then eight from three in terms of attempts. So nine and a half attempts from three and only three attempts from two. So he's sort of reverted to last year's Sadiq with elevated three-point attempts, and they're not falling at a great rate. Um, We know that I think the three-point shooting from Sadiq, especially within the context of this team, is his most important skill. So I'm not disappointed or shocked to see this many attempts from him from three-point land. Um, But, you know, it does hint at maybe something of a reversion in terms of developing his game. I know a lot of people talked about doubling the two-point rate, that was really important for Sadiq because, you know, he needs to be able to threaten to drive. He can't just be a three-point shooter. But the fact is he's not very good around the rim finishing. He's good in the mid-range. He's good from three in terms of, like, that's the kind of shot he likes to take. And on his night, he can catch fire and hit those shots. Um, You know, he's an inconsistent second-year player. So 
We don't expect it to happen every single night, but those are his shots. And so far around the rim, I would say that's not his that's not his area of the court. He might not be that three-level scorer ever. I don't think he is now. He could be. And like I said, encouragingly, you're getting three and a half assists across these games from Sadiq, which for me is the more important element of his game to develop. More important than scoring around the rim, getting two-pointers, is picking up some assists, playmaking a little bit as a sidekick to Cade. And speaking of sidekicks to Cade, you know who returned for the Pistons against the Nuggets from a hip contusion that held him out a couple games? It was Killian Hayes, our number seven pick in the 2020 draft, our point guard, and a player that has been drawing the ire of some Pistons fans lately. Killian would come off the bench in this game, which is an unusual role for him, but 25 minutes and puts up a pretty typical Killian line, although a good line. So we're going to talk about that. But again, the 25 minutes, that's what he already plays every game. So that's not a surprise. Importantly, he is out there in the fourth quarter to close the game, which is arguably more important than starting the game for me is that Killian is closing it. Um, so that's that's very fun to see and interesting to see. Um, but I just thought Killian was impactful in this game. Immediately when he enters the game in the first quarter, he's playing smothering D. He's you know active and everywhere, not leaving guys open, and stopping the Nuggets in transition. You know, doing difficult things on defense. And the cherry on top is he gets a nice tough driving lay-in to beat the buzzer to end that first quarter. So, you know, type of bucket we don't see Killian get too often, but we have seen lately, on occasion, Killian can get a tough land. He finishes this game with eight points, three rebounds, five assists, and two blocks with two threes. And importantly, those two threes and those five assists all come in the fourth quarter. So there are some signs of progress here. I don't know if that means the Pistons are going to run him off the bench for a lot for a while or if this was an outstanding sort of situation a special situation but you know if it gets him going I'm fine with it right I mean Corey Joseph for his to his credit played well today starting in Killian's spot 18 points three rebounds six assists and a steal it's probably I mean it's definitely true that you know Corey Joseph is likely to have more NBA-level acceptable offensive games than Killian is. But it's also just no guarantee, right? In the game before this, Corey had eight points, four rebounds, three assists, and a steal against the Jazz, two of seven shooting. Some would call that a Killian Hayes game. So if Corey has the ability to be just as bad as, as Killian, but then on the other end, he has the ability to be better than Killian, um... I don't know. I guess I don't know what to make of that. But I think my point is Killian should play more. But if you can get him going as a second unit guy, that's fine for now. You know, these guys have all year to figure it out. That's one way to do it. And to Corey Joseph's credit, you know, he's been playing more lately and playing totally fine. 12 points, three rebounds, almost six assists with two steals and a block total. So the steals and the block are not very good, but the averages are good over his last six games. And, I mean, I think you could say the games have been kind of up and down. Nine points, then 21 points, then two points, then 19 points, then eight points. And two of these Kojo, you know, two of these good games from Corey Joseph 
come in losses. So, you know, that's just what it is. I'm not sure what the point is here for Dwayne Casey, um, if he will continue to play him heavy minutes or if he might slowly shift back to being the backup point guard. I sure hope so. Um, I just think Killian is already a more impactful defender and it's more worthwhile to see what he can do on offense down the stretch. Hamadou Diallo gets the start again against the Nuggets. 20 minutes and a quiet 9 points, 2 rebounds, and 2 assists. After mopping up garbage time and getting some stats against Golden State, uh, he's gone back to that mid-20s you know, in minutes, low-volume shooting, efficient scoring. Um, and I think this is ultimately closer to his role. But obviously, I wonder what happens when uh, Jeremy Grant comes back. Hamadou probably goes to the second unit, almost certainly does. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he runs out of that unit at that point. Trey Lyles played 21 minutes off the bench against the Nuggets to the tune of 18 points, 5 rebounds, 1 assist, and 1 block. 6 of 11 shooting is good, but 0 of 3 from 3 and 6 of 9 from the line, not very good. Um, I think this is like as typical a Trey Lyles game as you can get in this season where Trey Lyles is flashing a little bit more than he's ever flashed before, which is not to say he's good. It's not to say we should invest in him. And it's certainly not to say he's a stretch big. Over his last six games, he's four of 17 from three. That's 26%. And he's also shooting 70% from the line on 8.3 attempts per game. Um, neither of those indicate a very good shooter. In fact, they both indicate a poor shooter. And, you know, Lyles is getting to the paint, uh, getting to the line a lot. He loves to bang around in the paint. He is somewhat of a savvy scorer in that way, but there's too many negatives for me, and 20 minutes is about right for Lyles. Finally, it's looking like Casey is maybe moving away from Saban Lee or giving him a rest. Seven minutes against the Jazz, followed by a does-not-play coach's decision against the Nuggets. Meanwhile, Josh Jackson holding strong at 16 minutes a night, ineffectually. And Magruder is suddenly commanding 24 minutes a night in a low-volume, three-point specialist role. So that's sort of the rundown. And also, sorry, Cassius Stanley plays 11 minutes for the Pistons against the Nuggets. That's the 10-man rotation. Again, no Saban Lee. Um, interesting to see if anything changes on the second half of this home-and-home the Pistons play the Nuggets tomorrow, Tuesday, in Detroit, um, and I might go. I have I have this like ticket that I can use on any game that I want. I might use it on that. Just feels like this was a good matchup for the Pistons. You know, even though Jokic is an MVP level player, he's playing like it. He's unstoppable offensively. Um, we have like a guy that kind of matched him a little bit in Cade. You know, not really, obviously, but they play a similar dominant can get the ball anywhere, can score in a variety of ways kind of style. Um, I just think it was a really fun matchup. I'm excited for the second half. Hey, quickly before we do our parting thought and sign off, we want to also remind you to use your coupon code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And also to check out our pals at mybookie.ag. Use code HOOPBALL on the third page of sign up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. All right, before I sign off, I do want to talk just briefly about maybe some coaching notes. Um, 
And I think the headline in terms of just the roster and the coaching and the outcomes lately for me is that the Pistons are becoming a functional team, right? There was a long stretch of the season after Jeremy went down, after Kelly Olynyk went down. After each of those injuries, you know, my thought was, oh, no. Like, how are we going to replace those guys? Those guys are irreplaceable for us. We don't have anyone on their level um, who, you know, isn't already playing. So what are we going to do? Are we going to sign somebody? You know, I was really thinking about what, what might we do. The Pistons just waited it out. Kelly is back. Of course, he's in health and safety, but he'll be back again very, very soon. Jeremy Grant will be back soon is the word on the street. Isaiah Livers, Chris Smith. I mean, we're getting suddenly a lot of guys back. And add into the mix the fact that Rodney Magruder is suddenly playing and suddenly hitting threes. Um, Not to say that he wasn't before. He just wasn't playing. And so suddenly the Pistons are actually a little more competitive. This, all of this adds up to make the Pistons a little more competitive on top of, you know, Cade breaking out into a rookie of the year level player. And so it's putting more of a spotlight on Dwayne Casey. Like how they close these games is really important. They're doing great to stay in them and to fight back. And, you know, in the Jazz game, we're winning in the third quarter. In the Nuggets game, it's tied with like two minutes left. And in each situation, we, you know, lose the game. We ultimately can't close the gap. Things go wrong. Sadiq steps out of bounds. Things go wrong. Okay, fine. But it's fun to be in that situation in the first place. And I think you have to owe it to the roster just improving. The young players are playing better. The veterans are contributing, you know, in low volume, interesting ways. We're getting some of our better veterans back. And so I don't have a conclusion for this. This is just sort of my parting thought, but it does put more pressure on Dwayne Casey as a coach to use a real roster to play a real basketball. You know, it doesn't mean you win games against the best teams in the league. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to beat Jokic, the MVP. But it does mean that you don't have this cop out, you don't have this excuse. Well, we don't have any big men. We're about to be relatively big. You know, I I think that just is something I'm looking at going forward. When the Pistons are back to full strength, what are we seeing out of Casey, right? Because that excuse is no longer there. All right, so that's it for me. Um, I'll see you again soon. And again, subscribe, follow on Twitter, at Ethos Pistons. I'm Joey. See you. See you.